Hi, and welcome to the ProGrace podcast, having new conversations about abortion. I'm Angie Wesley, and Denise and I are here in West LA. I I even feel cool saying that. I'm here in (laughs) West LA (laughs) with Scott Mel, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, West LA. Hi, Scott, who, Hi. who I've known for here. about 15 minutes. Right? I know. We're tight. <laughs> we're, we're, we're best friends. We feel like I've known you forever. And Talitha Phillips, the CEO of Claris Health, who I've known for, I was trying to figure it out, 12 years since we yeah. met at that conference? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because I remember you because I felt like I was on a journey and no one understood me until I met you. Like <laughs> yeah. you stand out in my mind. Although Denise does not remember meeting you. So. I'm sorry, oh. Talitha. I'm sorry, uh, yeah. too. I don't know yeah. what to do with her. <laughs> my memory isn't as good these well, days. Well, and speaking of Denise, so here's our funny <laughs> California story for you. you and see, her memory. I, I have my In-N-Out Burger glass. We had lunch at In-N-Out Burger because you have to. And for the first time, um, Denise had a burger animal style. All right. Okay, I just learned about this. They don't really advertise animal oh, no, no, style. It's the secret it's the menu. Secret. Oh. And so now am I like... It's my new, fa- it's my new no, favorite thing now. So but just how did you their find dream, out about Their it? dream is that, that, they, that it's on a podcast somewhere. Oh, okay. Oh. I'm helping them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I learned about it on my last trip to Los Angeles over spring break. And you had one last time and I didn't. Oh, because we were in uh, the Bay Area. Right. You're right. So this time I'm like, Angie, get me the one that you yes. got. Right. And so she went in and ordered. Yes. And then we get in. We the- a- and so we ate it. So good. So, <laughs> so good. So good. And so we got in the Uber and I'm like, that's it. Every time I go, I'm going to order one like that gorilla style. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then, so there's an Uber, our Uber driver is from Peru. Now he's been here 25 years, but he starts giggling. And she's like, no, that's what it was. Called, gorilla, gorilla style. style. I was like, no, it's animal yeah. style. She's like, I'm going to look it up. So anyway, Denise is known for getting her idioms <laughs> and her expressions. Isn't there any, up. is there anything on the secret menu known as gorilla style from you guys who live in California? Not, not to my knowledge. <laughs> I've, I've never had... I'm the worst Californian ever because I don't actually know what animal style means. Well, you're, I've aren't lived you? here for oh, ever. All right. so I don't grilled eat. onions, pickles. Oh. Like they grill the bird, they grill Isn't the meat in mustard? like a mustard. Yeah. Yeah. It's very flavorful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could yeah. hardly eat it. It was just yeah. dripping sauce. But I, apparently, you, you, it's not you, called you grilled. Also, style. You can also get fries. Animal I have style. Heard, now. Tell me what that. That's their special sauce. It's a, their special sauce. Oh. Some cheese. Some grilled okay. onions. Oh, it's, all right. It's like. It's Heart total attack, paleo. You know, right, because right. Right, you can get it all in a lettuce wrap. Yeah. Right? So I got, exactly. a, yeah. I got a double-double with yeah. no cheese. A double-double? You got a double-double? I was yeah, ravenous. Because the problem's the bun, right? So <laughs> get 12 the times the meat. Yeah. The problem's the bun. I'm trying to be gluten-free. <laughs> This is a very easy right. place to be gluten free. Uh, I have well, to that's say, true. It's very that's true. Yeah. 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 But well. that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> as fun as that would be, yeah. we're really excited to be with you all because um, Talitha, your organization serves pregnant women and families, and Scott, obviously, you're the pastor of a church. And sometimes the communication, what we're seeing around the country between folks in your roles, is not what they would want it to be. So there can sometimes be some frustration. How does a church get more involved in helping pregnant women or pastors feel like, I don't even know if I want to talk about this or be involved with this, but you guys are making it work here and your community is better for it. So why don't you just start by telling us your journey? How did you come to this place of working together so well? Yeah, well, I mean, my, my involvement with Talitha, I think Talitha and I first met probably at least 10 years ago, probably more than 10 years ago. My, my 
wife um, got involved volunteering at Claris um, at the uh, with a, a number of people. She, she was meeting with um, doing options counseling, meeting with um, pregnant women who didn't know what to do and were trying to figure out, trying to make decisions and just serving and, and caring for them in that. And it was, it was a, a huge um, blessing for her. I think she'd heard about it, the organization from a friend, got involved, you know, learned more. And that she kind of ended up in this spot where she never would have expected to find herself. But through that... Volunteering. Volunteering, she hadn't yeah. yeah. She, she hadn't been involved in it before. Okay, okay. Like, mm-hmm. there, there was not, like, some big story that led right. her in. Right. Like, really, just God had kind of step-by-step step led her into this place, and, and her heart just... Um, just resonated mm-hmm. with what God was doing through the organization. And and so shortly thereafter, maybe in, in the next year or two, um, introduced me to the organization. You know, we went to like a, a fundraising yep. dinner, a fundraising gala, and, and um, I met Talitha for the first time and and got involved really just kind of as a, a pastor and a, just a young pastor who wanted to um, – Pray for the organization, mm-hmm. wanted to support them, wanted to see how I could help alongside. And so I served kind of as a volunteer, kind of as just as like a volunteer chaplain more than anything, oh. like as a resource, just a cool. resource yeah. to the staff. Like, yeah. hey, you know, I'm here. I didn't have any like official role in that, but wanted to um, just be an encouragement yeah. to Wait, them. that right there is really cool. Did you ask him to do that, Talitha? Because I've not heard have. that before. I think we, in, we informally did yeah. ask you. What a you great... What a great idea to recognize yeah. that and bring him in. Okay, so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's no, really cool. No, yeah, and, and, and it was and it was a simple simple way to. Um, I was also just a resource. I mean, I, I got a um, a doctorate in biblical counseling, and so counseling was kind of a area of focus for me, and particularly during that time. And so it, it also I was also kind of just a resource on call mm-hmm. um, to meet with men as a part of the mm. the uh, organization. Oftentimes, I think we we think about. Um, pregnancy as something that primarily affects women, mm-hmm. and I'm not debating that. I think yeah. that right, that, thank you, thank you, Scott. That, that, you've that seen does. your wife pregnant. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, um, however, it, it also is a huge. Uh, oftentimes kind of life altering moment in the life of the men involved. Right. Um, or it should be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's not, but, but oftentimes it is. And, and so getting to just sit with and talk with some men Mm -hmm. was kind of the, a a part of that, that role for me just as a volunteer with the organization as well. And, and then, um, and then shortly thereafter, uh, Talitha and the board asked me to come on the board and to serve in, in that capacity, which I did for a few years, for three years, and then served three years as the president of the board. Um, and it's, it was during that time, really, I think that that we, um, that Talitha and I got to know one another just really well and, um, and saw how powerfully organizations, nonprofits that are working with people in crisis uh, can work hand in hand with mm. the local church mm. um, in in ways that really facilitate and empower the goal of of, of both of them. And so that mm. and and, and and we were also kind of on a journey just trying to figure out how to do that well. I think there were times mm. we were like I, I was like oh it could look like this and she's like no it can you know <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm very excitable but but, but um, and you're and, honest, Talitha. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 definitely. So it, it was, uh, but it, it, it was a journey of discovery together that I think was a huge, mm-hmm. yeah, huge blessing. At least that's what it. It's like 
that journey was like from my perspective, how we met. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was thinking, so I just celebrated 18 years. Wow. Um, in this role. You must have started when you were like 15. Four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just thinking about the relationship with the church over these past 18 years, uh, you know, my very first day. So interesting, I learned about the agency through a church, which is kind of a sweet story. I would have yeah. not known that they existed had I not heard about their um, support for women who been through an abortion experience, which I learned about through a church. Wow. So that is what led me here. But then once I started working here, my sort of uh, training manual included don't bother reaching out to the churches wow. because wow. they don't, they won't support wow. you in any way. It that. It's was just actually a in, waste of your time, wow. basically. That was actually was in the manual? In my verbal, oh, the verbal training right, manual. And, right. and wow. Honestly, it came from years of, I think, frustration of, you know, people trying to make that connection. And mm. some really good connections came out of it, but there was a lot of just frustrating mm. moments of mm. really trying and trying and trying. And so when I started, we had a few great relationships with the churches, but, you know, for the most part, we didn't. And um, I saw it as a bit of a challenge, and I really like a challenge, and thought, <laughs> I'm going to see if we can uh, change that dynamic. And and it, it's interesting because it is all very relational. And I think it, and I, I hold true to that today, that it starts with relationships. Yeah. It doesn't start with give us money so we can do right. this work mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, send us all volunteers. let us serve you or yeah. send us volunteers. It really does have to be this. We need to work together because mm-hmm. there's needs in the church that neither one of us can probably fill on our own. Mm-hmm. But how powerful is it if we work together? And so Scott and I, I I do feel really sort of took that to another level. And just a few practical things that I'm thinking of is even, um, I remember one Sunday you were preaching a message about the topic and about abortion. Wait, so you actually were preaching up, because that right there, well, we can come back to this, but that doesn't happen a lot. So, okay, go ahead with your story. Yeah, and I think for a couple years I had said to pastors, like, hey, if you ever want to talk about this, we can help you with messaging because you need to be sensitive to the fact that about a fourth of the audience Mm -hmm. has experienced it. And to Scott's point, that's women and men. Yes. You know, that, yeah, right. that a fourth of the audience of men right, mm-hmm. have also yeah. experienced it. And there's a way to draw them in mm-hmm. as well. And that's another topic. Um, we've seen some powerful things there. But I remember, Scott, I had said to pastors for years, hey, if you're, you could always run your message by me and I'd be happy to just give you feedback mm-hmm. of how it mm-hmm. makes me feel as somebody who's been through it. Mm-hmm. And I remember Scott did that once and it was so good i think there i just made maybe three word suggestions like this word if you said it this way and then a couple years later scott and i wrote a white paper together on the topic of you know serving um families and unintended with unintended pregnancy and he then well provided way more than three words (laughs) to me (laughs) there was a lot of editing that happened but it was so neat to say oh there are there are ways to communicate to different audiences that we're experts in Mm. he knows how to communicate to the church from a place that is coming from you know theology Mm -hmm. and areas that i don't have a doctorate in areas that i'm not an expert in but i understand women and men mm-hmm. who are journeying through this. Yeah. So that combination of us writing this together um, 
I believe, turned out really well. Mm-hmm. And it's being yeah. used in a lot of new ways. Mm-hmm. And I, it changed our model of care. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and it translates in the church and outside of mm-hmm. the church. Um, and I think it does present a very um, loving way to serve yeah. the city. That's yeah, amazing. absolutely. Okay, so I want to go back to, um, we'll, we'll go back to this too, but I'm still this burning question. Yeah. You preached a sermon on abortion I or did. unintended pregnancy? Um, or So, no. I, how did you come to that? Why did you think you were okay to do that? Like, tell us, because <laughs> that I'm just saying that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. So tell us about. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that as, as pastors, we have a really unique opportunity, particularly in our cultural context, um, to preach about this because I think, um, about both the topic of abortion and about love for and care for the marginalized and all the mm-hmm. marginalized that are right. engaged and involved in that. Um, and, and I so think, what do you mean? Sorry. So, so say that the marginalized. So what, when I, when I say that, I mean having an eye to both a, a heart for unborn children, mm-hmm. which I think is, um, is a, in one sense, traditional and, um, important mm-hmm. part of it, but, the unborn child isn't the only marginalized person mm. in the equation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's also um, women who don't think like that they have any choice, yeah. right? It's also um, men who feel like they don't have a choice or yeah. they don't have a voice yeah. or they don't have any choice other than to pressure, to use pressure on their, their partner for, mm-hmm. you know, say, and, and not to mention other family members right. and, sure. and, cultural context where, where, well, you know, systemic it, exactly, issues. exactly. Yeah. Where, mm-hmm. where if we are, if we have a heart for the marginalized, that's not monolithic, right? We don't just care for babies. Mm-hmm. Like we Wait, care explain for- monolithic. He's going to be like Caitlin oh, baby. No, big I words. Know. Big <laughs> words. <laughs> so if, no, no problem. That doctorate, that doctorate speaking. I got to get smarter before hosting a podcast. The, basically that the, marginalized aren't, um, aren't, there's not only one type of marginalized mm, people. Yeah. Right. And, and if we are a people of the word of God who have a heart that breaks with the poor and marginalized, we have a heart that, that breaks with suffering and with, um, any violence of any kind done to the image bearers mm-hmm. of God, um, then, then that is, that creates a huge heart in us. Mm-hmm. And a huge compassion in us mm-hmm. for all of the people that are affected by that. And us, um, right? I mean, would you say as a ourselves. pastor, right, that's yeah. a big thing is in some ways we've all been harmed. I mean, not I'm not trying to diminish other people's suffering, but it totally. kind of we're all on the same level of Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. It's not us and them, is I guess what I'm saying. And, 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 and I and I think I mean, I think that we have a huge opportunity, particularly from the pulpit, to talk about the, di- the the complex dynamics in that and mm. how the gospel is sufficient to yeah. grant hope in the most mm, complex of situations, yeah. particularly when somebody walks in the door. I mean, and, and, and we, I mean, we're not a particularly like culturally conservative church. Yeah. Um, at, at the same time, anyone in any church that preaches from the Bible, if you say the word abortion from up front, they think they know what's coming. Right. right. And, right. What, and what is it they think that's coming? I think put they, words to that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they expect for you to one way or another, either 
outwardly or expressively or subtly rail against the evils of abortion, mm. um, rail against the, 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 the importance, the, the, kind of with a singular focus yeah. on the protection of unborn children. Right, right. Right? Um, which, again, is not a, like, that ought to be our, I believe that ought to be our focus. Right. Like, I believe that, that, I believe that's an important um, uh, marginalized and voiceless voice that ought to be spoken for at the same time. Um, we have an opportunity, and this is where I, I took the opportunity to preach a message about uh, that, that, that has a, had a more, and have done actually so a couple of times since then, that voiced a, 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 a holistic picture mm. of all of the sufferers involved. Wow. Right. That's beautiful. All of the sin motives involved, whether it's personal, societal, mm-hmm. right? Church. Like, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. the, the, the false judgment involved. And, right. and, 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 to, and to paint a, a picture that, that gives us compassion for, yeah. for everyone. And I think yeah. then we can see mm-hmm. and um, advocate for and pray for and find ways to serve the unborn, mm. their mothers, mm-hmm. their fathers, yep. their the um, all those those involved in, and so and, and I think that is a what I found in our church was it was a voice that um, really surprised most of the people. Wow. And, and how, how do you know that? Did I they, mean, just just yeah, just from feedback. Oh yeah, and I mean, what I, they say. I, I I heard numerous times. Like I, I've never heard a message on that topic like that. Wow. wow. And. And to me, actually, the, surpri- the, the surprise, and, and maybe this is to my, um, I think this is, well, I think this is instructive. The level of surprise shocked me. Yeah. Saddened wow. you, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Because I, I was, I expected that if you've been here in our spiritual mm. family for any, like, amount of time, mm. that I just assumed, you'd assume this is our heart. But, mm. Like, you'd assume this is where we are, because mm. of course it is, but they they, they no. didn't. Mm. So they were interpreting silence to mean something else, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, actually, mm. that's, that's really good. Oh, no, I mean, oh, I, think, I said something No, good. no, no, I think that's really good, because um, <laughs> I think we do, especially with topics and issues that are loudly spoken about in culture, mm. we don't get the luxury of staying silent mm. and... Um, and just assuming that people are going to assume our best interests. Yeah. Like our silence conveys something. Yes. And, and yes. I think that I discovered, and maybe, and I, I probably didn't preach this message near as early in my life or ministry as Talitha would have liked me to. Oh. Right. Um, and <laughs> she's not. And, and, and I, and I learned, and, but I, 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 I learned through, I learned through that experience and have learned through talking about it since then. Um, what that that my silence was conveying um, a uh, really a, a an acceptance yeah. of the cultural voice, yeah, and an acceptance of the um, of almost, of, like the, of the cable news voice, almost really. a condoning, almost saying I'm going to let them speak for, for me. me, yeah, and and from and from a Christian perspective, and, and I, I think in a lot of ways, I think a lot of pastors would say, I mean, I know like a lot of pastors would say, well the cultural voice says that it's wrong to kill unborn children. And I believe that it's wrong to kill unborn children. So what's wrong? Well, I also think that it's wrong to mistreat 
their mothers yes. <laughs> and to devalue their mothers. I also think it's wrong to, to disempower and to undervalue their, their fathers. Yeah. And there's all sorts of wrongs here that we need to talk about mm -hmm. all of them yes. or people think, that, and I think this is one of the biggest um, critiques against Christianity, I think it's a valid one, that, that we, we only care about certain mm -hmm. image bearers, right. right? Yeah, we only care about and certain certain, certain image bearers. And cer well, that's, a, that's, a, that's very insightful. Right? Absolutely. We only care about certain image bearers during certain times of their yeah. life. Mm -hmm. But during other times of their life or other mm -hmm. image bearers, we're, we're not, we're not going to fight for them. We, we don't want to give a voice to them. Wow. And if we're going to be consistent in applying the the truth and the passion and the conviction of scripture to all of life then we we, we need to make sure that that our people are hearing and that the world is mm. hearing us voice um a a passion for all of the image bearers yeah. of god mm -hmm. okay so good and i want to like i want to kind of go back and reframe it and make sure i heard what you're saying right so you're saying that when these pastors say, sure, I agree that all life is valuable, and so I'll, I'll take this line, they're thinking, okay, people will understand that I mean the very best of that. That's okay. That's right. They're used to noises happening. One time Just Denise, a little drilling. And, one time Denise yeah. left her phone on, and it was dinging while we were. All right, she's throwing me <laughs> under the bus again. <laughs> so I think the drilling's fine, but Scott is is texting. Scott is such a powerful pastor that he's just texting someone <laughs> to, stop to stop the, the drilling. drilling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop the drilling. Oh, or that's is it funny. above us? I can't tell. No, it's, it's right below. Well, okay. Anyway. Can I add one point before yeah. you yes, summarize? Yes, because I want to ask him. On yeah, the go silence ahead. Yeah. aspect. And, 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 I, and I use some verbiage there that, like, I, I, no. I, I think is the cultural verbiage, right? Right. It's not the way I'd put it, that's yeah. but I, I think that's, that's how it gets voiced. Just listening to Scott, I'm just so reminded of just the, the power, the destructive power of silence. Mm. And I, so Scott, I love puts it in the context of the church and I won't take it out of the context okay. of the church. And that that is the problem with the church. And it's the problem with, lives that are affected by pregnancy situations, abortion, adoption, whatever it is, right? It's often the silence that drives us to believe we only have one option. Mm -hmm. It's the silence that makes us think we're all alone. Mm -hmm. It's a silence yeah. that casts shame. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's, it's personal silence, but it's also silence of others involved. Mm -hmm. And so I think if people knew that the church was a place that actually supported them or actually cared about them and they're you know and that was vocalized they would turn to them for help right. if women knew how the men in these situations felt and men felt that they could express how they really felt because this is what we see all day long and mm -hmm. we will you know ask a guy you know how do you feel about the situation and we get a completely different story than what she thought thinks mm, wow. he thinks about yeah. the situation and it's a communication issue she hasn't yeah. even told mm. him or he has well, felt afraid to tell or her. he's afraid to tell her what he really thinks because yeah. he thinks he knows what she wants to hear mm. or she won't even tell him because she's afraid of what right. he yeah. might say or she right, won't tell right. her parents or and i would say with pastors i do think that the silence is often fear and mm. And I think in, you know, in individual lives, it's also fear that keeps us quiet. Mm -hmm. But I would say that the, the silence of the church when it's related to fear just wreaks havoc in the yeah. church. Because mm -hmm. if I, I didn't go to the church when I felt, when I didn't feel like they were safe. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they either 
didn't speak about this at all, so I made assumptions. Yeah. Right. Or they spoke, and when they spoke, it was harsh against women who were in my situation. Yeah. And so I think, um, and I think in LA, the silence might be different than the silence would be where I grew up in Oklahoma when I was pregnant, right? Okay. Like the silence there might be different. Here, I think a lot of it is that they're afraid of what people in the congregation will think. And so instead of crafting a message like Scott said that draws everyone in, they're afraid of alienating part of their church by either sounding too pro-life or too pro-abortion and not really understanding that they're, they, they're afraid they're going to offend right. part of their church, not realizing mm. there's a unifying message when you mm. do yeah. what Scott said, which is talk about the value of all of these lives mm -hmm. right. that are involved in this situation. Yeah. And this isn't pitting one life against the other. Yeah. Right. Or making all. one a higher priority. Right. Or valuing one mm -hmm. above the other. Yeah. Exactly. Now, did you say pro-abortion on purpose instead of pro-choice? Or were you just try were you trying to stay out of political and make it moral? I just want to... No, sure I, I, I mean, I said it because that's the correct terminology of what I'm intending. Okay. You know, okay. of because I think people see those two choices. It's either life or it's abortion. Got it. It's not as life or choice. To, uh, okay. You know, because framed in the choice is actually freeing and talking. Now, mm, I do think there's yeah. a fear sometimes of that word. Right. You know, of a church saying we believe that you have choices. That's why I was asking. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. You yeah. It that way. I wasn't okay. thinking of that, yeah. but I okay. am. Yeah. No. That makes yes. sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to make this too reductionist. I learned that word yesterday. How was wow. that? Wow. That good. good. That's good. But I want to, <laughs> I don't know what it means, but summarize. It's and so what I hear you both saying is when the church is silent or when any of us are silent, people make assumptions on what they think they think. And so the pastor may be thinking one thing that the mm -hmm. congregation will be assuming, but the congregants are actually assuming. So the pastor may be thinking they'll assume all the best things about valuing life, but mm. the congregants are seeing all the negative parts that that side I'm yeah. putting in quotation marks uses. And then what you said, Talitha, when the church does speak, if they're sharing just about the unborn child, which is part of the truth, it really slams hard against the woman. And even though the church isn't intending it, they are mm -hmm. literally, by a half-truth, mm -hmm. they are sending the message that we, and therefore God, doesn't really care about the woman. So not only are we silenced, but then when there's truth, they're, they're half-truths, which can be really damaging, and we haven't been intentional about the full truth of God's heart in the gospel. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what... Yeah, you I mean, I, 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 think, I think that's absolutely true. And, and, and I think that in the midst of that, we have to just appreciate, even if it doesn't necessarily like change some fundamental convictions, we, we have to appreciate the fact that the relationship between a, even just physically, between a, a mother and her unborn child is unique in the world. Like there is no analogy. There's no analogy to one human living inside of another one. Right. Absolutely. There's just, mm -hmm. there's, you even been there's just not. I know. Did you read yet? our training? Because did you show them stuff ahead of time? I have not. No, I, I not. told you our white paper is yeah. an expression of your training yeah, before awesome. we knew about you. But that shows why is that's that a great. truth that we have not been talking about? Like nobody frames it that way, but you're absolutely right. And, and, and it's we, huge. It's huge. And so, and so we, we, we have to take into consideration the, um, the, the, the unique complexity yes. of that, of that dynamic of, I mean, 
even just theologically, like there, there, it, it is a unique category where one image bearer is living inside of mm. another image bearer's mm. physical body. Yeah, and that makes it complex and not totally able mm-hmm. to be boxed in these political platforms that we've been trying to box it in. Well, and I, and I, I think it 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 puts it. Um, I guess I, I would say when we when it gets put in these political boxes or sound bites. Mm. It undercuts the the, the complexity. So, mm, yes. um, it undercuts the um, compassion that we have mm-hmm. to feel for that complexity. That God calls us to feel for mm-hmm. that complexity, mm-hmm. and um, and it comes across as simplistic because it is simplistic, right? The boxes are just simplistic, and right. and, and 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 that that's not. But they're not comprehensive. No, right? they're not taken into account. No. All of these complexities you're talking yeah. about. And, 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 and really, I mean, they, they exist in, in this sense, like they exist in our polarized, you know, one or the other political sphere. And when we, when we adopt that vocabulary, not only does it get us in trouble, but we, to adopt that vocabulary is to abandon the uh, biblical vocabulary, mm-hmm. to abandon theological, yeah. right. the, theological words, theological, which from the perspective of the church, I just feel like we have to equip people with. Right. Because why have we done that? And do you guys have thoughts about this? Why in this particular issue? Mm. And I sometimes I use the word abdicate. We've kind of abdicated a theological position to political platforms. And I'm not trying. I love our political system. I love that I'm American. I'm not saying that. But the church understands that we've got a kingdom responsibility and all these other issues. But in this issue, we've kind of, does that mean I say I'm going to Punted yeah. it to the political side. I mean, I'll answer one one way from some things I've witnessed, and I think you will have a, a different, more broader answer. But I think some of it, honestly, is unresolved personal mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. And I have seen this many times over the years where somebody is silent because if they're not, they have to deal with their own past. Mm-hmm or a loved one's past. And it's if I take a stance on this, then am I being a hypocrite? Or am I going to hurt somebody that I love very much because she hasn't healed or he hasn't healed? So sometimes, I mean, I've had, I've had pastors confide, you know, well, I paid for a girlfriend to have an abortion Mm -hmm. in college and I don't regret that. I've had some say my wife had an abortion and she's still really hurting. And I feel if I get up, it's going to, she doesn't want me to talk about this. Mm -hmm. I've had, but at the same time, I've seen incredible things happen when they do take that first mm-hmm, step. And mm-hmm. I've seen messages shared with congregations that come from personal experience that are life-changing. Mm-hmm. And I think when you see that and you can grasp that and you realize, oh my gosh, this is a, a journey that applies to me too. And there's healing here yeah. for me and my family. I've had you know, pastors who I know have encouraged women in their church to have abortions mm. and actually multiple situations like wow. that. And then how do they get up on a Sunday sure. and yeah. say, we, the church, believe anything right. when they're still personally sure. somewhat conflicted? So I don't know. I'm not saying that's a widespread. I, that's just something I've personally seen. And so I think there's an encouragement. And we have to remember to continue to love the entire church, which yeah. includes the leaders, yes. as they're still working yeah. through this yeah. and trying to figure out how to better love 
their congregations and their own families and that these things apply. Because I think sometimes, you know, you can adopt a theology, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you've allowed the gospel to fully transform Mm -hmm. your own entire life. And I don't know, that might be a very harsh statement. No, um, that happens to no, all of us, I right? So I mean, yeah. we all do that. Like, yeah. it, you you really tell what you believe about something when it becomes something you're dealing with yourself. And it's like, have I really understood the grace of God or am mm-hmm. I going to go try and solve this myself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all do that. And I love what you bring up, Talitha, because, again, is church the place where we can bring our fully authentic, broken, messy selves and have open and honest revelation and conversations and um, about who we really are or because what you're describing is there's so much silence and fear of doing that. And so things stay hidden. And then we have this conflict that we can't get up and, and share the gospel, you know? And so it's like, I, I, every time this comes up, I think, wow, the evil one really has a hold in this space because he's really keeping us afraid. And yeah. And sometimes speaking, I mean, you know, I share a lot and I, I feel like over the years I've, you know, there's been a lot of healing and I'm okay. Share. And then there's every once in a while we're all share and I'll think, I wish I hadn't done that. Or I still sometimes feel judgment. I had somebody recently come up to me after a service and said, well, that was a wonderful public confession. And oh, wow. I thought, I did not publicly confess anything yeah. today but wow. it was just this very and the way he said it mm. was so he said well I've known you forever and I didn't know you did that you know mm. so no, I had to that. no he did say that but I had wow. to remember my identity doesn't come from the reaction of people and that reaction might have actually come from a place of personal yes. pain like what is his story but exactly or I whatever. can say that after yeah. doing this for years others don't so I think sometimes well-intentioned people test things out and then you get a harsh response mm-hmm. and you say oh I'm not doing I'm not doing that yeah. again that's not safe yeah. yeah and so I think like you mm-hmm. said the messiness of our lives yeah. and and just like Scott said not you know prioritizing one group or you said one time it's the same thing just with the challenges we face in life they're all you know there's not one sin that's worse than the other or one. you know I'm using the language that we would use in the church but but we we communicate that either by mm, our silence or by half truths mm, right that there are things that are worse than others like you can say you struggle with this but not that i mean i'm sorry i'm just responding yeah some things are more i didn't know you did that yeah like what's that mean right i didn't that's so identity shifting i'm Mm. sorry i'm just trying to take it in like I've done that, even though it yeah. isn't that. It's still that. You know lots of that's. We've all done lots of that. Like that's you know? shocking that today in 2019, yeah, you know, there's still 2017. That. So there, oh, okay. no, it was a couple of years ago, <laughs> it's maybe. Fixed. Yeah. Now it's fixed. But yeah, no, no, I was just gonna like. Do, I think to your original question about how we got here, mm. I think the truth is I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, I think good. that there's a like, I think that there is a comp- I'm not enough of a complex political historian to yeah. like, you know, I, like I think it's really really complicated. Mm. I, oh, think I thought works. you meant how did you and Talitha get here? Oh no no, no no no, I'm sorry no no no. Like, yeah. No, how do we get here like politically yeah. and in this place the space church. in the church? Yeah, how did yeah. the church get here? Yeah. But I, we can but, talk about how we can get out. Is that I, what you're saying? Well, I I think I but I think that in a lot of ways we. We can and we should, and at the at the same time, just like uh, it is complex for everyone in the midst of this and where people are at, I, I think we we also need to like 
stop short of demonizing sure. pastors who don't talk about yes. this. Yeah. Because yes, exactly. a lot of times there are all sorts of complicating factors sure. in their own yeah. life, in their church. In the, and, and a lot of times, a lot of times I think pastors, like I think a lot, a lot of times a, a decision by a pastor to stay quiet is maybe a good decision because if they opened their mouth, they knew that they wouldn't say yeah, something helpful. Decision. And I think it's not the right, right timing. And, and, no, and so, and so, right? right? And so, yeah. like that's the, yeah. that's a good first step. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, but, and I think what I want to say is yeah. is not that like not that that's a bad step. I think that can be because I think in some ways, in our cultural moment, I think that's where a lot of that fear has come from too. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, I I can't pile on to that. Right. But I don't know exactly mm. what to say yeah so I so what not. do i yeah. you know what 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 do yeah. i do and they feel stuck and yeah. and and pastor i mean as a pastor i also feel like i feel the pressure of you know a hundred really really important issues yeah. sure that that our congregation needs to be equipped yeah, in, yeah. and needs to be spoken to sure. and needs to be confronted in. And, and that's not to throw this in there with all of the i think that the, I, but I, it is to both recognize that and recognize mm-hmm. the, the the pressure that pastors feel yes. right. in, on, in the sure. face of that, um, and to and my invitation to them would be to see why in the cultural context mm-hmm. this needs to be uniquely spoken to, not mm-hmm. because it's uniquely um, uh, elevated oh, elevated as yes. a sin, yeah. but because the 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 voice in our culture is so off Mm -hmm. and what, what people in your church are going to would assume Mm -hmm. you would say is probably so inaccurate Mm -hmm. that you do that, that you ought to fight and wrestle in your own heart Mm -hmm. and with Mm -hmm. the word of God to say something gracious, compassionate and holistic Mm -hmm. into a world. And, and I mean, I know for people, whether it's in our church or even just other so many different people, Talitha and I have spoken to about this interpersonally or in front of others, that there's a, um, it, it's like a, it's, it's like a drink of fresh water mm. when people say, oh wait, because it's, it's just a holistic understanding that appreciates the diversity and the complexity of suffering. Yeah. I like that. People go, oh wait, that, that, that sounds like Jesus. Yes. Mm. Right. And that resonates yes. with my, where there's a lot of the voices out there that are screaming into the television cameras that you're like, I, I, I mean, I guess theologically that might be correct, but that sure doesn't sound like Jesus. Mm. Right. So Scott, I mean, you're, you're, you're young, but you're not brand new. You've been at this Mm -hmm. for a while and you're in the thick of the current church, capital C. So Where do you see the church today? I mean, there's some movement. There's there's a wave of change happening oh, in the absolutely. in the church world. So where do you see the church today in this space? And what's your dream mm. and hope for where you'd like to see it? Mm. That's a great that's a great question. I mean, I my my, my dreams are usually uh, inaccurate. The Lord's usually got something better in mind, but <laughs> they're not big enough. That's right, exactly. And <laughs> um, even in the life of our own church, but. But I, I, I would say, um, when I look at the church today, I think that by and large, people are increasingly confused because mm-hmm. they hear the voices and they're like, well, that's a good point. Well, oh, wait, that's a good point too. And they, they feel confused mm-hmm. because the, the voices out there don't have the moral authority anymore. Oh. Like the cultural voices, right, that are screaming the 
the, the same things they've been screaming for 30 to 40 years don't have the same moral authority because they've been proven uh, immoral or untrustworthy right. on all sorts of other grounds. Right. right? Wow. The inconsistency. And the yeah. inconsistency yeah. is hypocrisy, so, the hypocrisy yeah. is so rampant. Yeah. And that, that, ever, that, that I feel like the church is looking around going, okay, wait, 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 wait. What is the Jesus ethic, mm. right? What is what does it look like to follow Jesus now? And I think that's a huge and unique opportunity for us to um, to both live out, demonstrate, and communicate a consistent ethic that has a that has a priority on eternity, mm. that sees all of life in in view of eternity, and in light of the gospel, also as a, as a reflection of God's heart has a deep compassion for all of the, the image bearers uh, mm-hmm. that, that God, has, God has created and, yeah. and, and, and particularly a, a heart for the marginalized and to see the gospel take root and grant hope. And I'm, yeah. by hope, I mean, I don't mean like just momentary hope and like no, make you like, feel better through this. I mean like lasting sustaining. eternal hope that can mm-hmm. only be found, only be found in the gospel. Right. Like I believe with all of my heart and soul that it can only, mm-hmm. that true lasting hope for any of the deepest right. complex, co- complex suffering and sin in our lives can only be found in the mm-hmm. gospel. And so we have an opportunity to show how that's the case yeah. interpersonally and corporately and, and to, um, in that sense, lead forward with an increasingly consistent ethic that, that has to be, that starts mm-hmm. in local churches Okay, that starts in, because you're, you're not going to read about it in the New York times. You're not going to hear about it on cable news. Like that's not like, cause it's not, it's not a, a sexy enough or a polarizing enough voice to mm-hmm. get, the attention, the way it's going to, I believe the way it's going to, to spread is through the, the voices in local churches, mm. through um, people that, through thousands of people, men and women, that uh, no one's ever going to hear about, uh, but both living that life and communicating about that life. And through, I mean, as that is manifest in the local churches through partnerships mm. like okay. we've had, yeah. Um, yeah. wrestling together through... Okay, I mean, and this is where, for us, Claris is a key partner for us as a local church. Wow. Claris Health is a key partner for us as a local church because it provides an opportunity for us to care for the marginalized, to be connected to people that otherwise on our own, um, they, 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 they wouldn't knock, they're not going to knock on my door. Like, mm. They're not going to knock, knock on the church's door, at least not in Los Angeles, they're not. Right. not like, yet, people in need, right? people in need yeah. aren't like looking mm-hmm. to the church, but we can go out to them. Which is and sad and for another podcast. It for sure is. But yes, it go for ahead, sure is. But that you can go um, out to them. But, but, we, but we have an opportunity to partner together yeah. to, to see organizations like this as um, an extension in that sense of our compassion and love and as a means of, and, uh, of, of both facilitating it and a means of us learning how to apply that mm. consistent Jesus ethic well mm-hmm. when, I mean, for, for me, for the vast majority of my time engaged with this, like, like I, I don't have some uh, tragic personal story yeah. that like led me in or that taught me all this stuff. So I've simply had to just be a student yeah. that is just like, and, and, and as people who are loving others, like we need to be deep students of the word of God and also deep students of people. Mm, I love that, deep and, students of people. And, and that's where I, I think Clarice and Talitha in particular have provided in such a deep way for me is as I'm like studying the word of God, seeking to follow him, there's a, uh, a knowledge and an engagement there. Uh, I've been a student of the insight 
of people and who they are and what they're actually struggling with. And I, mm. I've learned so much from that. So not, so this organization then, this like nonprofit or local organization isn't, doesn't just facilitate our mission. It's not just an arm of the church, but it's also what like we're deep partners together that we learn from and grow mm. together yeah. and sharpen one another. I mean, ideally we sharpen one another yeah. as we, uh, as we uh, participate in that together. Mm. That's awesome. That's great. You know, you started preaching there for a minute, I, I'm Scott. Sorry. I was like, I'm I can sorry. see I you on I Sunday can't. morning. No, it was so good. <laughs> Do you have last thoughts, Talitha, just on, you know, how this partnership developed mm. or advice for anybody who wants to do this in their city or any last thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think the the partnership aspect of it, I mean, Scott explained it really well. I think in from our perspective is, you know, Claris is not a church. Mm-hmm. We were never called to be a church. You know, we were called to be a holistic medical, mental health, and support service agency for the community. Um, and that said, a lot of the individuals that we interact with either grew up in the church right. or were hurt by the church mm. or are interested in the church yeah. or want to raise their children in the church. Mm. And we have this beautiful opportunity to be a bridge bearer, Mm. to be a new face of what the church can be to the community, which is not a judgmental, hostile, Mm. or silent force, but actually an actively engaged member of the community that cares about the needs of the community, Mm. whether that's abortion or foster care or adoption or loving families or mentoring or counseling, you know, whatever it is. And I think done well, this can change cities. And I am seeing it in the foster care world and I'm seeing it in the human trafficking world. And I believe we are going to see it in this world. And when we have our roles right, I think it's even more powerful that we can say, oh, somebody is interested in this. There's a group at the church that's Mm. doing that. Oh, somebody needs options counseling or medical or prenatal care. Claris can handle that, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's not us trying to become the church and the church doesn't need to try to become Mm -hmm. a medical clinic. You know, I think understanding our roles and, and I just, you know, echo Scott's, I think this is very hopeful. Mm. I think we are seeing, I, I know so many people think LA is crazy. LA is crazy, but <laughs> I love this crazy city mm. because I think it's a lot of us just really trying to figure it out. Mm. And the needs are so great in our city, but there are so many big hearts of people who want to do this and are willing to take that first step and to just try. And wow. I think we're seeing that. And um, so I'm really excited that's about awesome. the future. Yeah, and hopefully great. there will be a ripple effect yeah. across the nation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, LA, you um, know, you guys are the center of the nation, right? Everything else <laughs> yes. is back east. LA goes moving in LA. Get the wave moving. <laughs> Do you have last thoughts, Denise? No, just how wonderful it is to see. I mean, obviously for ProGrace, this is our dream that yeah. <laughs> pregnancy organizations, women's organizations and churches partner and become students of each other. I love that. And yeah. students of people, yeah. because if we don't know what they need, then we can't best enter in and, and engage with them. And so just that you're doing that to, together in such a humble way of, again, partnership and journey. It's like you're an example yes. of, of what we hope for. Yeah. So thank you yeah. for 
paving the way here. Yeah. And I love, you know, my last thoughts are just um, the consistent Jesus ethic Mm. and going back to that. And I hope that in this conversation, we didn't demonize pastors because we would never want to do that. Mm -hmm. Actually, Denise and I, the reason we started ProGrace is we think local churches have the power to really change this issue. Like we love working with pastors. It's just that um, as you look through the gospel, you know, Jesus told us to look at the log in our own eye first and, and thinking about, okay, what can we do? I think in this issue, it's been easy for Christians to point the finger to the other quote unquote side and find all these other places to demonize. When you look at Jesus, he really talked a lot to the religious people about looking at themselves and how are they interacting with hurting people. So we really do just want to follow Jesus stories and say he was never harsh really with anyone. You know, he was always grace filled and gentle and Wow, if the church could be that place in this issue. Well, he, he was a little harsh with the overly religious. Okay, I was going to be, all right. I was trying not to. But who he was harsh with were those who were overly religious. Mm. And overly and harsh with others. And who were overly others. harsh with others. Yes. Who, and, yes. who, and who got all the rules right yes. and neglected so. the marginalized. Yes. That's who he yes. was harsh with. And yeah. so that's what the heart behind this yeah. podcast yeah. has been, just yeah. a, a hope yeah. that he can speak yeah. to all of us that we'll all be more like him. And I yeah. should say the examples I used, I many of those are actually turnaround stories where Mm. they started one way and I've been in relationship with these pastors for years and I've seen a change and I've seen them, like I said, get up and, and share the most incredible messages because they felt it in their soul, whether they were involved personally or whether they were a bystander in it. Um, I think that, you know, and I, I think one of the most powerful things I've heard is people say I was silent when I shouldn't have been, and now I've learned, you yeah. know, and I, you know, it's the person that says I sat in the waiting room while yeah. my girlfriend went in and I didn't tell her yeah. what I mm-hmm. thought, you know, so I think yeah. we have an opportunity to just lovingly and draw people out yeah. of that yeah. with new a new dialogue, yeah. like what you're, you're saying, mm-hmm. new conversation, yeah. new yeah. messages. New conversation. So, yeah. Thank you. Well, aren't we all so, turnaround stories? I yeah, like that. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I was a Absolutely. Pharisee of yeah. Pharisees. I was the most legalistic of any of them. So the fact that I'm talking about mm-hmm. grace, grace is, yeah. that's what Jesus does. He yeah. turns all of us. Well, I, w- just, I was yesterday with my kids. So <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm turned around here today, <laughs> yeah. ready, to talk, ready to talk about it. That's funny. Well, and isn't every follower of Christ a turnaround story? You know, we went, we were going one way and now we're going another. That's what he does. So yeah, we're going to, boy, this is the longest one we've done. You guys are awesome. (laughs) So as we close today, I hope folks that are listening are inspired by that, that Jesus turns around all of us. We all can have new conversations. So thanks everybody. This is great. Thank Thank you. you.